1. Now, you can thank Holly that because I said, well, I'm not sure uh, what I'm going to preach, but I may just go back to biblical sexuality. And she says, not on Mother's Day. <laughs> so instead, we're going to Mark. So we're continuing as I can, as, as I'm able. Um, and this is, not, this is just not uh, by way of... Um, this is not me being a braggart or anything. It's, it's just a lot of study. In order to stand up here, I, I need to study. And I need to have the time to study and to get into the text. Uh, I don't think it's good if I... I don't think it's good if I stand up here and have only studied an hour or two on a text and have very little to really offer. My goal each, time, each week is to first understand the text myself uh, and then be able to give you all the text and it, that it profits you not only in you all receiving it, but also by way of example to show uh, how the text can be studied so you yourself can go and study yourself. And that's my goal each week is to, is to bring exegetically these things out. What, what the Bible's... I believe that God's Word is sufficient. God's Word's enough for us. We were talking in Sunday school. God has spoken. And if you, there's nothing else that can guide you other than that truth. Uh, I can stand up here and I can say a thousand things that won't help anybody. And I can give you my thoughts and my, 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 my reasonings and everything else like that. But our help comes from God's Word. And there is no other source from, for our help. So what, what do we have here? We, we have Christ in verse 14. He came preaching. Chapter 1, Mark chapter 1. He came preaching the kingdom of God or the gospel of the kingdom or, 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 or uh, depending on how, how you read in the, in the gospels and uh, Matthew, comparing Matthew and Mark and Luke. So he came preaching. And what was he preaching? The time is now. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. And what should the response of that be? Repent. That's the only response that we can have when the Lord shows up, is repentance. We were talking about that with wisdom this morning. Uh, forsake your thoughts. Why? Because my thoughts aren't yours. His, his, he's wise and I'm not. That requires repentance. Uh, that requires this change of my mind to fit what he has said. Repent ye and believe. Repentance and faith. That is the gospel. That is the imperatives of the gospel. That's what the gospel commands. When the gospel is preached, and the fullness of that being the death, burial, and resurrection, here we have it in germ form, the idea that the king is now here. But when the gospel is preached, when Christ is preached, 
The imperative that goes with that is repentance and faith. Changing your mind to submit to His and believing Him fully. And then we had, just to catch yourself up as we're continuing to mark, in verse 16 through verse 20, what repentance looks like. And that's, all, that's been the context as this has been brought out in all four Gospels in the various ways. This is what repentance is. We have this, this, this assertion that we should repent and we should believe. And here we have Him coming and He says to Andrew, He says to Peter, follow me. And what do they do? They say, okay, hold on, we've got a couple things to do. <laughs> no, they said, it says immediately they followed, they left all and followed Him. Repentance and faith. It comes to James and John in verse 19. And we see the same pattern again. He calls them. What do they do? They repent and believe. They forsake, all, they forsake their nets and they follow Him. And He's going to give them purpose. He says, come after me and I will make you fisher to become fishers of men. So there is purpose uh, that is found in Christ. And that's where we left off, and I want to pick up here in verse 21. And we're not going to get through all of this, but I want to go ahead and read uh, several verses here, starting in Mark 1, 21. And they went, they, I'm glad there's a they now, <laughs> amen? There, 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 is, there is a people that are identified with Him. And that's what, for 2,000 years, there, is, there have been people who have been identified with them. We have, a, we have an identity here with the, the they that is here. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man which a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands, commands he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee." And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon. Okay, I'll stop there. So we have a large section of Scripture. We're, not, we're going to see how far the Lord gets us today uh, through this. So repentance has been preached by the king himself. The king's here. The kingdom is here. What does that mean? It means that we have an authority that is now confronting this world. His authority confronted first the disciples, 
Peter and Andrew, James and John, and now it's going to continue to confront other forms of authority. What we would call this, and I want to get into some spiritual warfare here, what we would call this is a power encounter. Uh, Jesus Christ himself would later talk about uh, this power encounter. Uh, if there is a mighty man and he's keeping his house, he can keep his house as long as he, as, uh, until someone stronger comes. This is that one that is stronger. And he is going to show that power, he's going to show that authority, and therefore display his kingdom. He has made a declaration about himself. He said the kingdom is at hand. This is the gospel. The king's here. Jesus Christ is here. The Messiah is here. Repent and believe. That's the imperative. That is the commands that go along with his authority. And now we come into uh, the synagogues uh, of the synagogue of Capernaum. Again, in verse in verse uh, 21, it says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. Uh, they went in and he taught. I think that's a good thing for the church. It's, it's, if we could just set aside a whole lot of stuff, if uh, the church follows him and he speaks. <laughs> His commands are what's made known and not all our thoughts and everything else. So, But they moved together uh, at the will of their Lord. So they came to Capernaum. Now, just a little bit about Capernaum. Capernaum, of course, we know as we get ahead, we're not getting ahead of ourselves, is where a lot of his ministry is spent. It is a city on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. So you have the Sea of Galilee, you have this side of it. So here's the Sea of Galilee, so this side of it, uh, the western shore. Um, it was also uh, the sea of the Sea of Galilee, or it's also called the Sea of Gennesaret. Um, and this, this Capernaum is called the Village of Consolation. Uh, you all know the, the, the uh, Old Testament prophet Nahum. You hear the name of Nahum, which simply means consolation there. Capernaum, Capernaum. Um, that, that is the Village of Consolation. And this message, so he comes into Capernaum and he has a purpose, an immediate planned encounter because it says, it, says, it, it didn't say he worked his way to the synagogue. It says, and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue. Straightway, that word there, or immediately, uh, a straightway. So he came with a purpose into the synagogue. Immediately he entered, and what was he doing there? He was teaching. He taught. Now, we have this in an imperfect form here, which means that this was what he was continuously doing. He was repeatedly going there and repeatedly teaching. And this is a pattern really that would continue through the early Jewish church. In the book of Acts, we find Paul. He goes out. Where did he go first? He was teaching week by week by week by week. Where? In the synagogues. Jesus Christ was doing that. In fact, Luke 4.16 says he went into the synagogue. That was that time was in the synagogue of Nazareth, still in that area, where, where, it, said, where it says, as was his custom. So this was what he was doing. He was going into the synagogues. And he was going there on a certain day. What day was it? 
the Sabbath. <laughs> it, says, it says here, uh, on straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue. Now, the now we have reason to believe that from here and the other synoptics that he was going every Sabbath to the synagogues and he was teaching, but this text is drawing our attention to something happened on one particular Sabbath. Now, I'm reading right now something from Jonathan Edwards about the Sabbath. Um, and what is the Sabbath? Well, we have it codified in the law. By the way, six days you work, one day you rest. <laughs> that's, that's in the law, right? Now, but to Israel specifically, what was the Sabbath? Well, Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 and 17 says, God, gave you my, God says, I gave you my Sabbath to be a sign between you between me and the children of Israel, a sign of my covenant with them. So here, he ha we, here we have Christ, uh, the King of the Jews, and He is going into the synagogue where the law is being read, it is being taught, and there on the Sabbath day He is meeting with them. I can't think of any greater setting for the Messiah to be afforded, the Son of God to be afforded to speak to His people. And what was, so considering this as this continuing spread of his authority, the king arrives and now his kingdom is going to grow. His authority, his power, the, the realm of that is going to continue to move forward. So, so what he was preaching on the seashore just a couple days earlier is now moved into the setting of the synagogue it's now going to be brought to bear on those who deem themselves faithful to God's Word. Matthew connected this preaching in Capernaum with the fulfillment of a great light. Matthew chapter 4, I'm just going to kind of uh, sum that up for you. He, says, he, said, he talked about great light being given to the, the tribes of Zebulun and Nephthalim in accordance with the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, those that sat in darkness saw great light. And Matthew describes him coming into Capernaum as that great light now shining. So that's how Matthew looked at it. And what was he preaching? He was preaching the kingdom of God. He was preaching it was here. We know that from two things. As we parallel this with Matthew, exactly when was this in Matthew? It was sometime around the time that he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke, we have a particular place where he's in a synagogue, and what is he preaching? He's opening up Isaiah and saying, and saying, this is now fulfilled before your eyes. This is the substance of the things that he was talking about as he taught in their synagogues. The teaching of the kingdom of God in the synagogues immediately put the authority of Christ to comparison with the authority of men. We were talking this morning about what happens when the wisdom of men meet the wisdom of God. Well, the wisdom of men always loses <laughs> when competing with God, and that's so with the authority of God. When the authority of men meets the authority of God, who's the winner? Well, God is. So we have the authority of Christ meeting the authority of 
the scribes, the lawyers, the teachers, that week in and week out. We do know some things about the synagogue there at Capernaum. We know that it was, there was a Roman garrison there, and we're going to learn later about, about the, 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 the captain of that guard being a rich Roman who gave his money to make sure that this synagogue was built. It was probably a very wonderful synagogue. It was probably a very learned synagogue, and here's the Messiah. Probably the best scribes, the best lawyers. But here the Son of God stands, or rather sits, as is her custom was to, well, they would stand for the reading. Uh, when, when confronted with the authority of the Son of God, other adore, authorities fail in comparison. So we have this comparison given. Who says, and they were astonished. This was the reaction, verse 22. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? Because the people that were hearing him were saying, okay, here's the scribes, here's these great teachers that have been brought here in this nice, wonderful synagogue, and they're reading to Moses, and they're telling us all these things. But they, when this man speaks, he seems to have real authority, real power, and they don't. And that's always so when the word of Christ is compared with the authority of men. What do we liken this to? Well, imagine... Uh, you can just picture maybe the difference between someone lighting a candle and the brightness of the sun. One has a little bit of light. One is simply brightness itself. Can you imagine someone lighting a candle and says, that sun's not enough. i got to light a candle in the, in noon, at noon and so I can see and I can see, see where to go. And we're talking about lights and beams in the car and everything. But that's really comparatively what they were seeing. They were seeing the difference between a candle and the sunshine. They were amazed. Here this man comes, he sits in their synagogues, and despite having all the best teachers, all the best lawyers, all the best expounders, this person spake plainly, truly, and with power. They were amazed. They were astonished. And in fact, the, the, we have another imperfect here. Uh, that they were repeatedly being amazed, repeatedly being astonished. He would say one thing and say, they thought, wow. And then he says something else. And they're like, oh man, this, th this is amazing what this guy is doing, what this, what this guy is saying. They were repeatedly amazed, answering to the fact that he was repeatedly teaching. Now, this word amazed or astonished here uh, comes from a compound word that really means to strike out of one's senses. If you were to take this word astonished really, we would use maybe the vernacular of saying they were knocked for a loop. <laughs> we would use that phraseology really if we were to, if we were to try to to describe this. They were not for a loop. They were utterly amazed. They were dumbfounded. They were struck dumb. They, 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 were, they were gaping with astonishment. The, the, you can't really get too much more, uh, you can't draw too much more an amazement out of this. Why? But why were they astonished? Well, if you were to follow modern teachers about Christ, they would say, well, 
Jesus Christ, he came and he was just telling everybody to love each other and, uh, and just do good. And, uh, and, and because of that, they hated him. That wasn't what was astonishing them. They weren't astonishing them because he was telling them to love their neighbor. It was astonishing because while he sat there, he sat there as their Lord. That's why if Jesus came in here today, we would be astonished. Because unlike me, unlike anybody else that stood behind the pulpit, he would preach as the Lord. That was the voice of real authority that struck them with awe and struck them with fear. This resonated with the history of those people. Think about this for a second. There was once a voice that spoke to Israel that was so mighty, so powerful, that it shook Mount Sinai. And they were afraid, and they moved back. They didn't want to come near. And when Moses, the, 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 the one who went up to the top of the mountain to receive and hear from God, came back down, his, voice, his face shone, and they were afraid to even look at him and said, cover your face. Moses himself, at the shaking of that grand authority in Sinai, said, I exceedingly quake myself. So it's here... There was one, the, one, the voice that once shook, now, shook Sinai is the one that is now speaking in the, in the synagogue. And they were astonished. They were knocked for a loop. They were dumbfounded, struck with fear. He that sat before them had power. That's how it states it here. It says, he taught them as one that had authority. Real authority. This was a reality. Again, I would mention, around the same time, what was he doing? He was he, he, the, the Sermon on the Mount, or, or in the synagogue there in Luke chapter 4, where he opened up Isaiah and said, this is already fulfilled in your eyes. You're looking at it. A summary of the content of the preaching is found, is found there in those two instances. He presented himself. He was not a scribe. We're just simply reading the scripture. He was, giving, he was a lawgiver. What was he saying in the Sermon on the Mount around this time? He says, these scribes over here are saying this. But I say to you, he's the lawgiver. He spoke to them as a lawgiver. Uh, he spoke to them, like I already said a second ago, as the fulfillment of the promises there in Luke 4. Here, though, it appears to be the manner in which he taught and not necessarily the content. Oh, I would have loved to have been there, <laughs> wouldn't you? To love to sit in the synagogue and Christ be the one preaching. I don't think I'd be nearly as... I think I would be among those that are astonished. <laughs> I know I would be. It's the manner. It, it's, it, we're ta talking about they were astonished. Why? Because he was speaking to them as something. There was something about the way he spoke. Not just what he was saying, but who he was. How he was approaching it. He was preaching with his own authority. 
much the way uh, you think of, you think of maybe a parallel um, of the theophanies in the Old Testament, the Christophanies, the, the, the appearances where, where Abraham saw the Lord and fell down. This wasn't, just, this wasn't just an angel. These angels spoke with the very authority of God, and they were worshipped as such. Why? Because they were Him. The same thing is happening now. The appearance of Christ here in the synagogue where the, where the word of God is preached and they were recognizing there's something different here. In fact, what are they going to say? What new doctrine is this? What kind of man is this? Well, what is this that's going on? He, he, he commands. And we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves into the spiritual warfare aspect of it, but just see the authority here of Christ. Here's a shame. Uh, there, there, is, there is something that is somewhat shameful of this. What is the synagogue but a gathering of God's people? That's what the word means, synagogue, together with, <laughs> to bring together with others. And the synagogue was where Moses was read, where the prophets were read, where the Psalms were read, the things that, things that Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. So these were people that literally thought that they had life because of this that was spoken here. And yet when the Lord came, they were astonished. They couldn't believe it. There was something missing in the synagogues. Authority. Jesus would later look out over the Jewish people of his day and he would have compassion for them because they were as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep having no shepherd. But they did, didn't they? I mean, I mean, this is the top scholars that are here in Capernaum teaching in this wonderfully built synagogue that they were bragging about. In fact, the Jewish leaders were, were so much impressed with the synagogue that they had and the person that, that helped them build it that they were willing to go advocate on behalf, on behalf of that Gentile for his servant to be healed. This is a wonderful thing. <laughs> These Jews were very thankful <laughs> over the fact that they had these, and they had these teachers they memorized it. They taught it. But they weren't leading the people in it. I noticed something. I got, to, uh, I got the pleasure of, well, I'm not going to go into the specifics. But I noticed something as I've listened to other people preach. And... I think this is where we're at. I hear these preachers, they'll stand up and they're good men. They're very good men. And they're preaching. They're giving their poems and they're giving their outlines and they've got it, everything alliterated, everything really neat, tied in a nice little package. And they're urging and they're pleading and they're saying and they're not leading people to read the text, believe the text, apply the text. They don't really believe that there's power here. 
I imagine that's maybe what was going on in the synagogue. Think about all the different parties they had. They had Sadducees there. Sadducees respected the law. Oh, the law is wonderful. These are great precepts. Oh, you should, you should follow the teachings of Moses. Great case law in Deuteronomy. But they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in, 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 they didn't believe in the spirit, in the soul, in, or anything else like that. And they, they, they didn't believe it. And here comes the Pharisees. This is about obedience. Obedience in everything. You, 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 got, you got some mint? All right, chop tenth of that up and offer it. You got, so, you got some cumin? All right, you grew that in your garden. Now chop 10% off of that and, and offer it and, uh, and uh, do this and do that. And we're going to explain this 5,000 different ways, funneling it through all of our traditions and everything else. And, and that's what it's all about is us doing, 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 doing. But they didn't believe it. And that's why they rejected the meat of it. When Christ, who was the fulfillment of it, they were like, What? They were, there were no shepherds. I'm thankful that the Lord, that the Lord is our shepherd. And when he's leading us, we shall not want. We'll never lack. What were they hearing? They were hearing the voice of the Lord. For the Some of them had never heard it in their entire lives. Let's turn over to Psalm, 120, Psalm 29. Know the voice of the Lord walking in the garden, the voice of the Lord that shook Sinai. We see that voice here. It says, Give unto the Lord, ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is, up, is upon the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like, young, like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the hens to calf the disco and discovers the forest. And in the temple does everyone speak of His glory. The Lord sits upon the waters. Yea, the Lord sits king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The voice of the Lord was speaking. Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're not going to get into the spiritual warfare aspect. We'll have to deal with that next week. I want to get into the deal rightly with this unclean spirit that spoke. Because that, but that's a, that's a separate thing now from just the authority. Where is our authority? It's in Him and in what He has said. Uh, Deuteronomy 18. 
I'll get there eventually. Deuteronomy 15, 16, 17, 18. All right, Deuteronomy 18. Here's the promise to Israel. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in, the, in, in Horeb's in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. So here they rejected. Remember at Mount Sinai, and I will talk about that in a second. Here they rejected. They saying, Don't let the Lord speak to us. Moses, you go speak. Don't let the Lord speak to us. Neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. Here in verse 18 he says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee. I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all I shall command him. Here is that fulfillment. There's a prophet coming and you're going to listen to him. I'm going to raise him up from among you and he will speak my words. Who was this? Well, I know is the, the, the people, the, the followers of Islam say, well, this is, this is uh, Muhammad. <laughs> That's not Muhammad. And neither is the comforter in John 15 and 14. No, this is Christ. Prophet, priest, and king. Here he is, the prophet, speaking the words of the Lord. In fact, this is the very connection that the early church made in Acts chapter 3. We have in verse 22, Acts 3, 22. For Moses truly said, for Moses, Acts 3, 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever ye shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold these days. What were they talking about? They were talking about Christ's coming. He's that prophet to hear. And that's what we see fulfilled right here. Christ came, Christ said, Christ opened their scrolls, He read from them, and He said, it's fulfilled in me. He was that prophet. And therefore, therefore, we think of the book of John where they send out the people to arrest Him in John chapter 9, and they came back and said, never has a man spoke like this man. Never. There was something different. They can, they, could mock, they can mock Jeremiah. They can reject uh, uh, Micaiah and throw him in prison. They can, they can set aside Isaiah as, and, and, and they can say, well, that, that Ezekiel, he, he sure sings a beautiful song when he preaches. <laughs> and they can, and they, 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 can, they can reverence all these things, but they must hear Christ. The scribes, that taught them daily were powerless. Why did they not have power? 
Well, I think we can get this by something that, is, that the writer of Hebrews said. As they look at the scribes and then they hear Christ and they're saying, he's not like them. Here in Hebrews, it gives us an idea probably of why. Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of. For unto us the gospel was preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, nor not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Why has the church lost power? Well, why did they lose power? Well, they didn't believe it. They did not simply believe the word without running it through all the speculation. I hear it so much in preaching today. Speculation, speculation, speculative. Oh, it could be this, could be that, could be this, could, could be that. You know, it's this, 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 and that. Or, or if we look at it from this angle, maybe it would be that. <laughs> That's what they were getting. Can you, can you imagine sitting in a church service and every text dying the death of a thousand qualifications. That's what was happening. Every text dying the death of a thousand qualifications. What are we called to do? Repent and believe. Or again, bringing the thought from this morning. Set aside your thoughts. Because his thoughts are greater. Simply believe. Christ spoke of the truth of himself. He revealed to them the scriptures. He opened to the scriptures. I, I want to fast forward all the way back to the resurrection. What we need is Christ. And what we need is an understanding of the God's word through Christ. We have the, the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. They walked and they were pondering and he began to open unto them the scriptures. And they believed. I would have liked to have been part of that conversation. He started with Moses. He started, then he went through the Psalms. And then he went through all the prophets, showing them the things about himself. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us? as we walked along the way and as he opened to us the scriptures. Christian, we need to believe. We need to hear his voice. We, we weren't privileged to sit there in that synagogue that day, but that same power and that same authority is still preaching. He is the Word. And the reason why they lacked authority, because they didn't have Him, and they didn't believe Him. And just like they, and, and just all those lawyers, all those scribes, all those teachers there in the synagogue, just like their fathers of old had said, now Moses... You go talk to the Lord for us. We don't want to hear from the Lord. You, you just tell us what the Lord wants and we will do it. What are they going to do with the word that speaks? 
Well, I can tell you what happened in Luke chapter 4 when he preached in the synagogue around the same time. They led him to a precipice and they were ready to throw him off. But that's not what's going to happen. How many of you all are discouraged right now? <laughs> okay, come on. Well, let me tell you. He's victorious. His kingdom is going to continue to grow. He has set down king of kings, and no matter what they tried to do, no matter how they tried to drive this authority from them, he still speaks, and he still has authority. He's still king of kings. He's still lord of lords. And no matter what happens, no one can take him from the throne. I, I, I know an atheist once said, and I, I think they... I think they got it from Dostoevsky's uh, um, uh, The Brothers Karamazov in, in, the ch in that chapter about the Grand Inquisitor. But they said, if Christ comes back, we'll kill him again. <laughs> no, you won't. He came humble and he, he went to the cross for us. But he's still king. And when he comes again, your knee will bow. Your tongue will confess that he is prophet, priest, and king. I hope you received something. We didn't get into the unclean spirit. We will next time. We have some things to talk about there. What have we to do with you? <laughs> uh, but uh, I hope you received something. Let's go ahead and stand.